Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Their Pitch is a women's football podcast in collaboration with Adidas Football. This week's Their Pitch player is Swedish national team goalkeeper Hedvig Lindahl. Lindahl has represented many clubs, big clubs, Malmö FF, Linköping FC, Kopparbergs Göteborgs FC and Kristianstads DFF in Sweden, Chelsea, Wolfsburg and Atletico Madrid. In the guide How to Stop Sweden that was launched together with Sweden's new match shirt for the Euro 2022, Lindahl is described like this. Hedvig Lindahl provides the Swedish national team with security through efficient shot-stopping during the most critical parts of the game. But she is also the key to many of Sweden's counter-attacks by kicking or throwing the ball all the way up to the attackers. Therefore, be ready to quickly close down Swedish players far up the pitch when Lindahl wins the ball. You can read more about the Swedish national team at howtostopsweden.com. You are listening to their pitch, episode 19, and this is the Hedvig Lindahl episode. Okay, this is how it goes. Hedvig Lindahl. Hedvig Lindahl. Yes. Hedvig Lindahl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're part of this as a Euro special where we talk to national team players about their journey with the national team. Okay. Primarily. And we want to start off with, as we usually do, a quote from someone exclusively for this co- for this podcast about you as a teammate and as a person and then you're gonna have to guess who it is yeah that sounds interesting <laughs> go for it yeah no pressure <laughs> everyone has gotten it right on the first oh, yay. <laughs> jokes aside <laughs> jokes aside but uh, here it goes Hedvig is a person who is passionate about the equal value of every person and has a big heart for the less fortunate in society and the whole world in general She often comes up with ideas on how to change and improve everything that is possible so that it can become better. She is an innovative person, and something that I envy about her is her passion and interests in other people to get to know them for real. We have come a long way together in the national team and fought for better conditions together. She and I share an understanding of each other's family life better than no better than anyone else does in the national team, I think. Slash your tant compis. <laughs> yeah, so that's Nilla Fisher, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. What made you guess Nilla? Uh first I was maybe considering if it was Seger because we were we're in this fight together, but it could have also been Nilla at that point. But then when she mentioned the family life, uh, she uh has two kids at home. So we have exactly the same or have had the same struggles um, with combining uh, 
traveling a lot and leaving our our families uh, at home and all the things that come into that. How is it to be a professional player and travel a lot, knowing that you're going to be away for a long time sometimes? <laughs> Lately, it's been a bit of a struggle, to be honest. And I think it depends on which phase that your kids uh, are in at the moment. And I have a eight-year-old and he's quite sensitive about me leaving. So last summer when we went to the Olympics, we were gone for 31 days, I think. And that was uh, a bit challenging for him especially. But uh, I think the main struggle has probably been for my wife, uh, who time after time have had to uh, deal with all the regular family business alone, including a different... Uh, different times we've had to move in the middle of a tournament. So she, can, you can imagine that having two children and different in ages, like all of these different years, they've been young and obviously growing up, but then ha having to pack one, one year it was even crazy because she also had a surgery on her hand. <laughs> so she could pack with one hat. It was, you know, so it's been different struggles. Yeah. <laughs> Is this something you can ever like get used to? Because I know, I mean, I, I'm 25 years old and I know I have, I don't have any kids of my own, but I have a lot of, um, my sister has two kids and I know every time I don't see them for however long, you know, you just always want to see that person, you know, because you have so much love for it, for those little humans. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, do you ever get used to it? Because I can find myself not getting used to that. I think. In my case, I think it's the hard part is that I am not in a role uh, that I want to be in when I'm gone. I want to be there to teach my children some things, uh, you know, to be there as their secure base and all of these things. Uh, we have uh, my wife at home, so they have security at home. So, but still, I, it's more that I would like to be in another position. That's the struggle for me. Uh, but also from uh, more uh, feeling empathy with with my kids that they are struggling more of the of the longingness you know uh, of of each other that that's also getting to me uh, that i see that i hurt them by by leaving that being said uh, I, I am by far uh, not unique in this situation so many people travel for work or for different reasons so many people even leave their entire families to work in another country and, and never see them at even you know weekends maybe it goes months between they see each other so um, many people share this struggle if you try to make money for your family um, and you just have to kind of find a way that the family is in on it and can accept it and, and thank God to whoever invented the video calls. Cause how was it before? I, I imagine uh, it must've been really tough for historically for, for kids. We want to move on to your national team career, which is, I would say you have an incredible resume. You have taken medals with the national team. A lot of them, you're still searching for the gold, still fighting for it. But you have oh, you have 182 caps. That's quite a lot, no? Yes, at at the at the point of us recording this, uh, it stands on 100, 182. That's correct. Uh, 
and I'm hopefully um, able to add a few more uh, before my uh, time in the national team comes to standstill. So, yeah, it's it's a lot. Sometimes I wonder how many I have, like if I include everyone, like all the ones I've had on the bench. Uh, I actually wonder how many minutes I played. That would be interesting to to see because a goalkeeper is rarely called upon if you're the second goalkeeper, and so all of these things uh, would be interesting to see. But yeah, it's been it's been quite the journey with the national team. That is um, actually that would be quite interesting to see how many minutes you have, and you you say I want to see how many I'll stop at. Like where 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 does it go? Do you think you're going to reach 200? Maybe right now I don't think so. To be honest, um, uh, it's not too far there, but it's it's not a given that you get to play every time you you travel. And as we just mentioned, the the traveling is not only a good thing for me anymore. <laughs> uh, so I have to closely weigh in when does it like not. When is it not, um, how do you say, worth it almost? Uh, what's the return on investment and what's the what's the cost? Um, and when it's a lot of travels and a few games, then maybe not. Then it will take ages to reach 200, I think. You say, when is it not worth it anymore? I think that's kind of interesting. And I want to spin on to that because you've been doing this for so long. Do you remember the first time you your first national team cap, like when you stepped on the field for the first time? Uh, yes, I was in La Manga in Spain with um, with the team. It was, I think, 2002. And we were supposed to play against England in the friendly game. And I was supposed to play only 45 minutes. Uh, Sofia Lundgren was supposed to play the first half, but she injured her foot just shortly before the game, like one day before, two days before, something like that. So I got to play the whole game and we won 5-0. So I kept clean sheet. And I remember having my uh, speech that evening uh, when you have made your debut to stand up in front of the group. I was uh, 19, I think. Or 18, I was supposed to turn 19 later on that spring. And I remember I started moving so weird in front of everyone in that speech. I, I don't know. I kept making all like saying things to make people laugh. And then every time I kind of laughed, I, I leaned to some weird way. It's like, I think I was very nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember it not super clearly, but I do remember some bits and pieces from that game as well. And that was in 2002. That's 20 years ago now. Yeah. Has has it been worth it up until this point? <laughs> I think that if we should become a little bit philosophical, um, I think you can always feel as a human being that you haven't really reached where you want to go. You're kind of, we're all in this struggle for happiness or to feel some sort of fulfillment and, Sometimes when you're uh, in everyday life and you struggle with whatever is your struggle at the time, it might not feel like it was worth it. <laughs> but I think hopefully that when I look back, uh, when I'm not in the constant struggle every day and I look back and I, and I kind of 
put all my experiences on a in a big pile and, and all the memories and all the photos and everything. Maybe put actually all the if we think about results, all the medals and whatever um, together, I think I will feel proud of what I did. Although I can think that it took a little bit too long. You know, I would have liked to be more efficient about what I tried to, to achieve. Um, yeah. I, I think I took a little bit of a detour to get to where I wanted, but I guess that was my life in a sense. And now, you're here and on our podcast with the, this uh, incredible resume, as I've said multiple times, and you have the Euros coming up and it's not your first championship. You won um, a silver just last summer in Tokyo. How was that experience for you at the Olympics? If we just start right there. It was a great experience in terms of our in terms of our performance on the pitch, I think our team was so strong and I don't think anyone would have uh, felt that if we would have won it all, that it, it would have been the wrong, like the wrong team winning it. I think we would have had uh, a great chance to to win it all. Unfortunately, we didn't, uh, separated by the penalty shootout and some bad luck. But in terms of being solid in the run up until the fam- uh, the final I, I don't think i've ever experienced that that similar thing with a, with a swedish team and on the on the other side of that then was a lot of struggles to be honest uh, i suffered a lot being away from the family actually slept really bad uh, many nights in tokyo i don't know if it had anything to do with this paper bed <laughs> Or anything. No, but I think for some reason I really slept bad. And and I've been fortunate to always have um really good sleep. Always I can fall asleep. If I have 10 minutes before I need to leave, I can sleep eight out of those. So uh, that has been helpful. Uh, but when you don't really recover, if you sleep bad, it's 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 tough. Um so it was a lot of suffering too, <laughs> to be honest. You guys were for everyone who's watched Olympics, you guys were really solid. And a lot of people have said you were even the better team in the final. Did it feel like you guys lost a gold rather than winning a silver? For sure. Um, when uh, uh, that last penalty went in for Canada, after we had a good chance to to finish it off with Sigurd's penalty, I had the feeling of, you know, when you have a really horrible dream, like I mean, like really horrible, someone dies or something really awful just happened and then you wake up and you realize oh well, that was just a dream I, I like i have a chance to redeem myself or I ha- that whatever i thought happened didn't happen that feeling i think all of us had but it never like there wasn't it wasn't a dream it didn't go away so you just and it's especially with this uh how this spring has been with the with the war in europe and whatever it's it almost feels it's it, it, you cannot I feel like I cannot use that word, but it, honestly, in the, at the time, I almost felt like it was almost like a trauma, you know, like uh, emotionally really, really, really tough uh, to to try to deal with whatever we went through. Um, so definitely we felt like we lost the gold and hopefully that very same experience is what could 
be the deciding factor for us to take the last step in the upcoming euros that we i think motivation comes rather rather than to strive for for the goal i think some to be honest i think motivation really comes from i don't want to feel that again uh, and i think uh, i think all of us who were there we we really instead of being scared of winning a goal we will be scared of feeling that again so i hope that we can if we're in the final again and we have a chance to win a gold medal i think that experience will help us when when you think back of that time even now is there any time does that can that still affect you actually no uh, right now i'm uh, over it um hence why i don't want to call it a trauma because if it is a trauma i think you need more time you might need your whole lifetime to go through things but um i'm uh, i've dealt with it and i'm i'm over it and that's done and now i might not might not feel like i'll put the silver medal in the most um how do i say like the in in the front row in my prize cabinet <laughs> i might want to put it in in the back row somewhere uh but again with time i think we'll look back to it and feel very proud of what we did and how we got the swedish people together and inspired a lot of young kids back home in sweden but still um it will be it will be a constant reminder of how close it was to gold and i must ask you and you're probably super tired of this question by now but in after the olympics there i think there was an interview where you said that um taking the gold would have been a fantastic finish to the to a career you know it would have been the happiest of endings of all if you could write a story that would have been the best ending do you feel like now that the euros are coming up do you feel the same way that maybe that a goal could be the ending of a 20 year old long career Yeah, for sure that that still stands. Uh I find myself personally in a I'm I'm like one more year has has passed since then and uh all the people who um competes for places have also gained one more year of experience. So personally it's uh, very challenging to have to play the same role that I did in the summer of the Olympics but i i dream of and i hope that i will be able to play a, an important role for sweden um and in that case it would be a dream ending if it wouldn't be another ending where i am not really used or um might might not even be picked who knows you know um then of course it's that all falls flat but i do have a romantic dreams of bowing out to the fans cheering you know uh and if that doesn't happen i won't die but that would be that would be kind of cool and speaking about the euros it's coming up what uh what do you think about sweden's chances in this competition i hope that we are one of the sides that can win it i think that we have shown over some years now that we are not an easy side to deal with we have some great um, skills in our team uh, we play well as a system and uh, as a unit and it's impressive to see how many players we now have out in europe in big teams who can make a difference so we can definitely uh, compete 
to win it. And that's our big goal. This is our time and we want to do it. At the same time, there are a lot of good teams in Europe. Uh, it's maybe the hardest tournament to win. Uh, if you've qualified for the World Cup, you've already beaten quite a lot of the European teams. But to be in in Europe and to have to play all the best team in Europe teams in Europe is uh, is a big challenge. So I am realistic and I realize that. In order for us to be able to win it, we have to have a, a great deal of luck. We have to have uh, all of the different pieces uh, put together in a good way. And hopefully people find their best shape as well, um, or the best form, maybe you say, to to fly at the, in, in, when summer comes. Who do you think, uh, just picking out a team, who do you think could be the most difficult um opponent that you would go up against in the Euros? Uh, I think, uh, well, England as the host nation would be, would obviously be, uh, if you meet them with the home crowd and everything, it would be a, a tough cookie. <laughs> um, everyone has been impressed with Barca and the way they play in the Spanish style. So Spain as a, as a team will be a challenge as well. Uh, I think uh, maybe France could be could be an uh, well outsider, but at the same time we have had huge uh, expectations on them many years now. And why not Germany? I think who have been able to build a little bit in the uh, without getting too much focus on them since they didn't participate in the in the Olympics, for example. And that's just a few. We could add uh, we could add others. Uh, I didn't even say. It. The Netherlands, who were in the final last time, and same with Denmark. Uh, yeah, many people will want to be part of this end game. Uh, but I was just wondering, considering your long, your uh, 182 caps, is there a game that stands out because that you that you think about when? Uh, it's hard to not mentioning uh, the quarterfinal in the in in the. Uh, Rio Olympics against the US because uh, for me personally Hope Solo had been such a big uh, kind of benchmark or or in my case more someone that's just in the way because <laughs> uh, I wanted to be the world's best goalkeeper and everyone kept talking about Hope all the time um, and then in that tournament so many things came together and, and it culminated in, the, in that game uh, we had P as a coach and she what she did well was um, she gave us confidence that we could beat any team. You know, she was a, a good, uh, good at inspiring people like that. Uh, so when we knew we were going to face them, we all gave a cheer and wanted to do something historic, with, historical, which was uh, knocking the US out in the quarterfinal stage, which had never been done before. And after overtime and the penalties and, um, how the audience responded to me compared to hope. And oh, I made a save against Alex Morgan. I don't know. I just felt like all the energy that I kind of built up over many years came out and I, and I did things that I was uh, happy about. And cause I remember watching that game from, uh, from home. I had just graduated high school I was sitting at home watching the game and I knew that Pia had, uh, she used to coach the U S 
So she knew them inside out, I bet. Did you guys, did she talk about them in the sense that she hadn't talked about a team before, considering how well she knew those players? I actually can't remember all the details about what she said. I remember, the only thing I remember about her, like, talking about tactics or anything before the game was very simple, super simple. We get the ball, we play it behind the fullback, and one of you run. That's exactly how we scored the goal. Um, she probably said more than that, but that's what I remember. Um, but yeah, no, I think as as she had them as a coach, she probably knew the weaknesses. And if, if she said we can beat them, then we have to believe it kind of. Uh, I think that's what she brought mainly, like some sort of confidence uh, in terms of we can beat anyone. There were, there were other things that Pia didn't, didn't do as well as a coach, but that thing I think she did well. And I also like the fact that you you mentioned Hope Solo. She's the, it's always been hope, 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 you know, as the world's best goalkeeper. But after, after the, the penalty shootout, she said some things about Sweden being, being cowards. I think those were her exact words. Did you, was that something you guys thought about in the camp or in like with the team at all? Did you guys talk about it? I think it, it came up, but I don't think any one of us made a big deal of it. Uh, sometimes you say things, and I think she play, said that we played cowardly or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I think who had followed her a long time, I understood it was more like the, the last drop for the Federation, I think, um, rather than that being so horrible. I think other players have probably said way worse so, so, uh, things. So her punishment for that was a bit harsh I think but I think it was more um, boiling up to something uh, if you cal- if you put things together. And also if you might have read her book there are some things in there uh, but moving on from that speaking of uh, the US women's national team and Sweden and a lot of other national teams that are following the US started with suing their federation for equal pay uh, Sweden didn't sue their federation, but got equal pay. The same amount of salary between men and women. Uh, how, how, how much have you worked for that during your career for equality? Uh, let's, let me give you the long story. Um, actually, we, we earned very little in, in, in the Sweden camp for, for, for a long time. We had a, we had, we've always had a, quite a good um, contract when it comes to uh, competing in tournaments, stuff like that. I think compared to other nations, we've sometimes been better paid there. But in terms of uh, getting money for each camp, we've been paid very little. Uh, and I lived in England at the time and I had the uh, costs for my for the childcare for my kids. And uh, the harsh reality was that I couldn't, I couldn't, it wasn't feasible for me to go to the national team. I lost money going to the national team. So I was a bit desperate. So I went up to Caroline Seger because it was always the captains who kind of had this discussion with the, um, uh, with the federation. It's, it was normally just let's have a little, let's sit down, let's discuss. And then, it wasn't so much more than that. Maybe it went a few rounds. They asked the players, are we okay with this? And then that was it. As far as I know, I was never involved up until this point. But then I asked, can I be, be involved? Because I can't do this anymore. Uh, I cannot travel like this. And I go minus financially every time. Uh, and she said, yes. And I think she regretted that <laughs> to a degree <laughs> because that uh, that was a, a tough year for many of us uh, having a, a long negotiation about 
the central bargain agreement that that uh, stipulates the money we get for each camp. Um, I remember I came into one of these uh, meetings uh, where they normally have a really nice uh, atmosphere and and just uh, yeah exchange the pos- possible new contract and without any further ado they kind of agree. But when I arrived there, <laughs> uh, after the regular uh, nice conversations were had, I said, I don't think this contract is good enough. There are a lot of people that can't, uh, you know, have a monthly salary with the, what they get at home and this as well. So maybe the Federation could do something for these players to be able to go 100%. And if you want us to aim for medals, it has to be better. Uh, so that was like critique to the to the to the contract they offered, but also I said, and also we want the um, union to represent us to 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 talk for us, and then the 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 feeling in the room shifted. <laughs> so after that, it was a long thing, and 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 we finally got it all sorted after we all uh, threatened of not to, uh, going to our yearly award ceremony. Uh, so we didn't have to do anything with any games or so, uh, which was nice, but uh, that was enough for them to kind of agree. And then we got, it, it got better. But since then we've had uh, the players union represent us. And since then they've been able to negotiate both uh, male and female contracts and have a different um, position to equalize the contract. Uh, so it's it's better, but it's uh, whatever we get now when we go to a camp is equal to what the men's get. Um, but there's still um, there, when we then record this is um, still things to be done in terms of uh, in, you cannot really say that we have equal uh, contracts when it comes to um, the, the tournaments because it's a percentage of what you earn from the prize money. And as you can understand, the prize money on the men's side is, oh, it's just getting big. The gap just getting bigger and bigger, bigger. It's just like, so there is no equal money there. And I think that's the struggle that we, we want to take next. Are these kind of questions that, because you said that you're not sure if you're going to reach 200 caps. Is this something that you want to continue once you quit playing on the field? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know where I want to put my effort, to be honest. Um, um, right now, I, my future is kind of <laughs> unclear. Um, but I bet it will be some sort of acts towards bettering the environment for someone else. I don't know if I will still be in football, if I will be, if I'll be in football, if it will be with like a equal pay or if it will be something else. Um, during the spring, I've been quite upset about even worse things about not feeling safe going to a national team or being led by people who has an abusive side, things like that. I think we have even that, those kind of problems have, uh, with the, in smaller nations in the women's football. So things like that is maybe more, even more engaging for me right now than equal pay, especially. But because um, I see the potential that if we if we would uh, well for one trickle down the money in in other countries and less fortunate than Sweden or the US or, or what have you, England, 
imagine what uh, level the women's game could come to if more women get opportunities to actually play on a higher level. One thing that got to me for for one was uh, I, I saw a documentary about how it was to be a woman in India where they celebrate a boy that's born but not a girl. So already from from birth you're um, you have a less yeah exactly so and and football as could be a a big um, driver for change as this is it is the best uh, the, the not the best necessarily but the biggest sport for women and girls out there so we can play our part in changing society actually i i remember growing up i think my my biggest dream was to to become a professional football player that that didn't happen obviously but what I heard all the time from my from people around me and my society was that women can't girls girls don't play football. It's and I feel like everyone's heard this, but it's girls don't play football. It's a boys game. You're never going to be making enough money for it. And I come from well, my background, my mom has always been super, super supportive and my dad as well about like football playing. But there are others around it that are from another culture than what I grew up in that I've always had this kind of negative stance on females playing soccer or football or whatever you want to call it. So seeing this change for me and seeing people like you and others work for it, it just really hits like a soft spot, you know, because you want to be at the the right side of history and you want to keep writing it. And it's and it's so inspiring. Do you feel like yourself, like based off of your own experience that you're going in with this with another a whole other perspective than some other people are? I think we all have our different perspectives. uh, And even those that you mentioned have their reasons to why they think what they think. And it's about educating ourselves and and kind of uh, learning how to talk to each other and see where we can find some sort of common ground to, I usually use the, the, the saying, open up your world. I think that's, uh, I like that because if you can first open up your inner world and then your outer world will, will change. Uh, so I guess if I would do anything for football, I guess I, it would be kind of interesting to, to have some sort of a role where I could meet, for example, those that you mentioned uh, and, and, and slowly change attitudes it's we have a lot of things we could talk about uh, there are um there are those that uh, advocate for for everyone should love who they want to love and there are those that advocate for equal pay and whatever um and i don't know exactly where i will end up in the end but all of those uh, all of that is um is important and it can actually change lives and bring happiness and dreams to to people all around the world and i think uh, that is some sort of fulfillment in in working in a role like that and we got to move on to the football analysis part so me i'm gonna let you take over ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Yeah, and then we have to start with the question Amanda usually asks uh, about how you uh, came up to be a goalkeeper. Yeah, um, I think I've always just liked to. Actually, it's like if you boil it down to the most, like the easiest thing to understand is I love the the game where you just throw a ball to each other. You know, you know, in Sweden we call call it kasta gris. It means that when you when you drop the ball, you get a letter, uh, and then you the one who dropped it four times, you or in English three times, you got the, to be like the the letter the, the word pig, and then you had to kind of. Think you were pig or whatever. it sounds a bit horrible when I say it, but it's like uh, you have something to lose if you drop the ball, basically. And I like, I just like having, having. I guess it's like you know, it's maybe the, it's the easiest way to feel like you're producing something. You catch the ball, you did it, you did it really well. <laughs> you know, maybe it's that. It's like making make, making a puzzle as well. Every time you put down a piece of puzzle, you feel like. I did something great, you know. Uh, so I like uh, catching balls. That's all. And we had a big uh, a garden where I grew up. I lived in a small village in uh, Marmorbyn in Södermanland in Sweden. Only four hundred people in this village, but we had a big blue house and a big uh, grass garden, and we had uh, two apple trees. That was a perfect goal, and I guess. You took turns of being the goalkeeper and being the field player, and I don't know. I just, I just like to throw myself around and catching these balls. But I was also actually a forward growing up, so I, I combined the two. I like to score goals and I like to save them. Yeah, we have seen that lately as well. So. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> coming back to the the roots somehow. <laughs> yes, that's true. So I, I actually did some. Um, research and and it was kind of interesting that you mentioned the US game in in the Olympics in Rio back in 2016 because this is where I'm at and and uh, finding uh, statistics for the women's game we know that's that's quite hard still but I did find on Y Scout and this is we're going to talk about this from your perspective now because back in Rio when you guys played the, the US, uh, you had 36% possession of the ball in that game. Then when you play them uh, now in Tokyo, now, uh, last summer, uh, it was 50% possession, like back and forth. So what difference can possession or not make for you as a goalkeeper? I mean, like game planning wise, and and could could you describe how you feel your role should be in and out of possession? The thought that I get in my in my head now that you say that is, if we don't have possession of the ball, the defense is probably going to be lower, and that's how it's going to affect me. I'm probably going to like against the US in Rio, we pretty much parked our bus, <laughs> so you have the defense way lower to kind of. Um, have as a reference as the goalkeeper. It will be crosses. It will be shots from outside, uh, like shots from distance and maybe some through balls. But if you can defend the the space behind your line, you're fine, (laughs) basically. Um, So that changes for the goalkeeper. I think it, it, of course, you can also, uh, it could be different. You could still not have a huge uh, degree of possession and still have a high defense. Um, so 
it's not entirely so what I'm saying, but but if we should generalize, I think that's going to be the case um, if you're a little bit outplayed by the opponent. If we have a lot of possession, it depends on what the coach wants from me as a goalkeeper. Uh, here in Spain, for example, they want the goalkeeper to be a very uh, integrated part of the build-up um, to play short a lot, even if they come to press us high, they want to find solutions. Maybe you play a short pass to your central defender and then it comes back to you and you need to find the pass to behind the their first high press, maybe to the second line or something like that. Um, but it could also be that the team has a lot of possession and they, they don't really want to involve the goalkeeper. Some, some uh, coaches doesn't like when the team play back to the goalkeeper because it's a negative pass. And uh, it's a risky pass. Uh, it's better that the, we have the possession up in the middle of the pitch or or the opponents have stuff like that. So uh, it it de- depends a little bit as well with uh, with your strategy and and uh, also your own um, abilities. Uh, not all goalkeepers are great ball players um, and should maybe not be too effective. But so that you have possession might not really involve your or change your role so much. Yeah, and I was also looking at uh, shots uh, just in general and on target because when you guys played the the US back in 2016, they had 28 shots and Sweden had three. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And and this is also very, very interesting because then you go back to to the game you won with 3-0 now in, in Tokyo then Sweden had 15 shots and the US 13. Mm. So here, here is like, I, I'm feeling uh, when I read uh, the 28 shots, even though they all weren't on target, uh, I feel like as a goalkeeper, and that that's, m- must be stressful in some way. Yeah, it was a tough game. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, was... Uh... Well, stressful is maybe we should be careful with this word because uh, uh, it can be challenging uh, and fun if you feel like we can handle it. Sweden, if I would sell Sweden, to come, why should you come play for in Sweden in the Swedish league or whatever? Or what are what are the traits that uh, that stands out in a positive way for Sweden? And it's our ability to play defense. Um, we we are freaking good at defending actually and you should learn from us if i stick out my chin a bit maybe italy can compete in terms of knowledge about defending i'm not sure i've never played there but i i think so um but yeah we're good at that so it's it's challenging they're going to shoot 28 shots if they tell you before today they're going to shoot 28 times in around the the goal and you need to handle that i think not all teams would feel calm in that situation, but maybe Sweden would because we know how to play a great defense together. We've, that is one thing that we've trained in our entire lives. Um, and actually, if you are that pressed by an opponent, um, they will leave space in behind, which they did. And that's how we scored our goal. And so if you have a good uh players uh, 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 that are really fast there's that is really fast and and you know how to use that weapon 
just because you're pressing an opponent down in their own half, that might not be great for you in the end, because then you have to defend in another way. And if you're not great at that, then, you know, it's, it's like yin and yang. There will always be space somewhere. Uh, I know uh, when Tyresa was really good in the Swedish, uh, in Damarsvenskan, uh, that's how our coach, when I played in Kristianstad, always presented it. Okay, they come up with all these plays, but imagine if we get it to this space and then into that space, they they struggle. And that's the way it is. Uh, if you can be calm and defend with your head co- cool, which you are not when you're stressed, this is why I react on your word, um, then you could handle it. Uh, and it can be quite fun when they challenge it enough that you can handle it. Uh, this spring, I played a game against Barcelona in the Supercopa final. That was not the case. We lost 7-0. Uh, so in that case, it was stressful and we were not in control. And then then it's not a fun situation. Then the challenge to, is too big and we are, we're not ready for, for the challenge, if you know what I mean. So that's on the other hand, we played against Barcelona the year before with the same team and we played another type of defense. And I, it would be interesting to see the statistics from that game because it must have been, I think they had 17 shots on goal in that game. And it, it was a 1-1 situation and it led to overtime and penalties. So yeah, it, it all depends on how you how you conduct your defense. Yeah, I think it was probably kind of just stressful to watch as a you know as a fan and supporter. You know, like for sure, you're not in yeah, control. Yeah, definitely not. But I mean, I actually asked Nila Fisher this question when it came to the Champions League. But speaking of big national uh, international tournaments and reaching far. Uh, in your time playing uh, and how the game has grown and how it has uh, developed, what do you think or see is needed football-wise, tactically and player-wise to win one of these tournaments today from comparing it to like 10 years ago? 10 years ago, a play, if we go, back, go down to the players first, maybe even, I don't know if we, if 10 years is enough now, maybe you have to go back further. I'm not sure, but say roughly 10 years ago, you as a player could be on a good national team with only speed, for example. You didn't have to have much more. If you had, they were, you were really technical. or And then slowly you had to have two of those traits maybe. And now it feels like a player have to... If if you're if you're if you're technical and you have a great tactical mind and you're even uh, mentally strong, but if you're not physically strong, then you won't get into the team. You have to have all of those things now. You can't survive with only one, two, or three of those things. If because there will be someone else that has all of those things now. Um, so I guess the same thing goes for for the team. Um, and a great example is the U S actually, I think, uh, even though I think they are not done yet winning things, I think they will come back up, but I think actually with time, we will see them struggle more and more because their whole thing is the physicality of their game. They're bullying the players. Like in terms of, uh, their, their pressure is so tough and they're coming at you with full speed. But as they've started to play t- teams that are now more technically good, uh, and not as frightened as we were like, Oh, it's the U S we cannot win. You get the stress in our, in our bodies. Now people can move the ball and find the pass in between their lines because they're not the greatest tactically defensively. 
So, okay, we can explode that, you know, and that's what we're starting to see with them, for example. Um, and th the reason for that is that European players or, or, or players in the world actually like have the opportunity to play in better teams in their, in their, in their leagues. And I think that's why European teams now can compete with the U S much more than before. Uh, but saying that, I don't think we, so we played uh, Portugal in, in the Algarve Cup uh, this year and they are great technical team and even better than us I'm not saying that like that's so hard Sweden historically has not been technically great but we are doing okay now um, but they were better than us in, in many positions te technically and can move the ball and get out of situations but physically they couldn't keep up so in the second half we just just took over the whole game you know they couldn't keep up at all so You cannot uh, just have one thing and not the other. And same with uh, mentally, I think uh, that could have been the case with France a few years. Uh, saying that, I will have to probably uh, regret it because maybe this year they will be super mentally strong and come in as a team. But that was maybe their downside. Like they had all the other things that were physically strong, technically good, uh, tactically, I don't, I don't know, um, probably good as well. But then mentally, it fell apart somewhere as a team or whatever, as a unit. So they didn't really reach the end stage of the big tournaments. So, yeah, I think you need to have a, a good, uh, good level in all those different areas. Um, do you need to be the best in those areas? Not necessarily, I don't think, because if you are the best in one area, I think you might lack in another, you know, so maybe a good mix of all of those areas has to be, or maybe you're better, best at one and then quite high in all the other three or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, if we're thinking ahead of, of the Euros now, uh, when we're going to talk about this as you are going to play it, because we have to, uh, We have to do that because we believe that. Uh, but from the position you play, and these, we all know the other national teams that, that will compete in the Euros. What will be the most important information that you as a goalkeeper will have to have in order for your performance to be the best and top level? For a while now, I've been really reliant on information on uh, penalty takers, set pieces, their high press. Um, uh, sure, we also need to know uh, how they how they find their opportunities. And I'm a sponge that wants to know everything as much as I can. If I have enough time to get it into my head without. Um, conflicting with feeling energized on the game day. I want to know as much as I possibly can, because it, it might be information that I could use in a certain situation out on the pitch. Uh, if there would be anything else than those things, I'm not sure, but I probably have to, at some point, see if there is some innovation that needs to be be done in order to kind of set us apart in any other way. Um, but other than that, I think it's, I think it's mainly those things like uh, set pieces, penalty takers, um, high press um, that I would say is the, is the main thing for me as a goalkeeper. And speaking of information then, uh, like from the players that playing outside, out on the pitch, 
uh, we're talking a lot about statistics and and stuff like that you can you can get information about everything these days as a goalkeeper do you work with stats and, and if you do what stats do you consider to be the most valuable for you as a goalkeeper to look at don't really work with stats uh, it's you, you need to know that i'm uh, you know already that i'm i've been playing this game for a long time so all these stats is quite new for me as well i have many times had to google what the x thing means it's like what's that again uh, so i'm not really i'm trying to follow people on twitter that knows everything about these things and it's interesting like i i would if i would use it it's more for the for the like slow information going into a tournament or, or a game that okay that player is good at uh, intercepting the ball or she shoots a lot like just no like knowledge that could help me in some certain way but that's i think that's only the, how i kind of use the stats i i do get a report sometimes sent to me how my passing game was but um what's more useful for me is to see all the video uh, from all my actions in the game because i know how the wind was i know how the feeling was in the team i know if we were in a stress situation i know if someone's yelled at someone before and that's why they weren't really ready in that situation and so on and so forth uh, so stats can tell you so much they can tell you patterns and uh, i i'm sure i can there's still probably untapped potential for me to use in my studies beforehand. Um, but I think that's it. That's There's a limit to stats too, I think. I'm not sure. I'm open to learn here. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, stats is great if you just put them into the right context. And that's, you know, like the hardest part for us that's going to tell stories about the game. If yeah. we use them, we need to know what we want to tell exactly and then you have the beginning of the story and the end of it and what do we want to bring into the story with the stats because it's kind of like a very we always talk uh, assists and goals uh, and their top lists uh, and stuff like that Um, so I mean it's but like for, for example if you if you know that a striker would prefer to use her left foot um like just statistic statistics like that then then it would be quite interesting to see how how goalkeepers behaving uh, should be, be as well because that's that's like just because a player prefers to shoot with the left foot and often do, does it in that moment where your decision is going to be taken, then then it could be very like like a goalkeeper, like you said in the beginning. It it, it can be like very decisive. Yeah, this yeah. It, can, it yeah, sure. It can be it can be very important, and uh, I do look at those. I do know if they're le- left footed or right footed. My example is often with the, our Swedish girl Fiorina Rolfe. Uh, I'm not going to say exactly what she's great at, but if you know your your homework, you know that she has a good good uh, 
weapon <laughs> in her arsenal and then you behave a certain way against her you know um and other places so, yeah for sure it's important to know the patterns and those things but at the same time it's it's many seconds in the situation in the in the in the in the out on the pitch that that makes uh, your uh, decision making change maybe but yeah it's good to know those things and i do and i do know that we all that's a for example for penalty shooters i always know if they're left footed right footed all those things um but i wanted to tell you a story about when statistics statistics doesn't really play the whole or describe the whole situation so we played uh against Duelva in the, the, the copa de la reina this spring and and uh normally i move almost six kilometers in a game with a GPS data. In this game, I only moved two and a half kilometers and you have to like, what, what happened here? And it, it, it stands out uh, in the, in the statistics. Wasn't I really ready or what was the, what was the thing? But the thing was, it was blowing store. It was like really such a hard wind. So imagine standing, which I do, I'm always moving with a, with my defensive line close to them. So I can intercept when they try to play behind the line. I couldn't this time because any any little lofted ball would just fly into the goal. I would have no chance of, of getting there. So uh, so I had to stay in the goal, basically. And that's changed my statistics so much. Okay, last, last one. Who's going to win the Euros and why? Sweden is going to win because we are... We've been doing something great for a long, long time. We've been doing it consistently and we have now got the experience that we needed, the emotional experience that we needed to to take us over the finish line. And we are going to have luck because we deserve it. Uh, we've been in the top flight of women's football for so many years and it's our turn to win it now. I think everyone who saw the... Olympics felt that we should have won it and now it is our turn to win it. Let's jump into these uh, questions from the listeners. Um, this one is from at I'm the 12th uh, from Instagram. Two questions. How do you want to be remembered as a football player? Ooh, good question. I would like, I would love actually if someone remembers how I used to play before everyone, before anyone uh, thought about women's football. <laughs> I would love them to say, oh my God, she was so brave. She played such a high line. She she did things that before Neuer, <laughs> that would be that would be something. <laughs> um, but no one saw that. No one remembers it. Uh, so I don't think that will happen. But I get I don't know. I guess um I, I someone said something once like uh about like I want them to see me as uh a player that had class like to someone who had always high standards and even if they thought I was done for when they gave me the chance there was still class you know that's what I want quality you know just not someone with just a little bit of luck one year no like consistent quality because I I did the hard work like I knew the the craft yeah I want yeah, I know I want them to feel that I knew the, the craft of what I was doing. This person also wants to know, how was it to score in the Algarve Cup? Actually, I kind of had to, or it kind of dawned on me later that, oh my God, this is in the in the national team, you know. Okay, it's a friendly tournament. So it's not like it's a, 
like important game like that. It's not a World Cup or Olympics or whatever. That's a different stage. But still, it's the Swedish national team. <laughs> a lot of people looked at this because when I, I I went up and I was like, "What should I do? I have no idea. Ah, I'll just hit it hard." And it went in. And so with a little bit of luck, a little bit of luck, it went my way. Uh, but I felt almost like when you played, probably if we all have this experience too. You were with your your good friends, uh, your your when you were a young girl, and you played kind of like Gotjakov or something. Um, that's what I felt. So it didn't feel too big or anything. It just uh, okay. Let's do this. Okay, Sophia Carlson underscore zero five on Instagram wants to know who has been or is the most difficult player to read and stand up against. Ooh, to read. Uh, I'm not sure. I, Miedema came to mind because when she gets uh, an opportunity in the box, she's quite hard because she moves the ball back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And if you, if she wrote to stand up against, that is very, uh, stand up as a goalkeeper to not like make an action is, is hard against Miedema because she could shoot now, she could shoot now, she could shoot now. And uh, actually quite interesting. And this is nerdy. And I think uh, a few of you, both of you, maybe one of you, I don't know, likes uh, football nerdiness. Uh, and that's discussing whether a goalkeeper should sometimes guess or not. Because I know some goalkeepers on the very high level do guess. If you, if you read them, you need to learn about them that they do, they do assume and go early. Against me, they might, if you go early, you're, you're, you're wrong. And I, I played against her once and I remember she went a few times back and forth. And at some point I did think now it's coming and I was down on the ground and she just turns it into the other, in the other way. And it looks so easy. So she's really hard, but also, um, I played with the uh, harder and I played with Frank Kirby, Penilla Harder and Frank Kirby. And what makes them really hard is because is that they can, um, they they it looks like they're gonna put it in the second post, but then at the very last millisecond they just they just change their hips and put it in the first post. Uh, so you cannot you cannot assume anything against these players. You know those players are the really really hard ones. And the same person also wants to know. What do you think you would have wanted to do if you didn't become a football player? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was attending some uh, summer camps as a tennis player. Maybe I would have, would have done that. It's probably something else with sports. I was a multi-talent in sports. Uh, maybe because I came from a little village. I didn't have any competition. But uh, to yes, a little bit of competition, but not like in a big, big city. Um, but I think, yeah, maybe... Maybe tennis or something like that. I thought something with where you can work with the, the some sort of ball sport. I guess I would have chosen maybe. And at Woso underscore quotes from Instagram, what's your favorite quote and why? Ooh, I'm not sure. I don't work too much with quotes, um, so I would have to make one up in that case. So I know I I have to pass that one because I don't really. I do sometimes go and search for a quote to get some inspiration, but I don't have one that I always return to. So you use quotes for inspiration. That was a good answer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Bristol Steget on Instagram wants to know, 
how much and in what way do you study your opponent, not just when it comes to penalties? Um, I try to get video of uh, them and see patterns, uh, see how they usually want to get to their chances. But um, usually it's the analyst in uh, in our teams, in the national team or in the in the in the club team that like kind of sends you the video that they think is interesting to see. But sometimes I actually do my own research too. If I think, oh, this one, I, I don't have enough. So I just want to get more minutes to watch her. Um, yeah, I don't know. You just watch a football game and you see what you see kind of. Um, how does she have any certain patterns that she want to go inside always or she wants to kind of like medium I wants to take it from back and forth back and forth like what is their what are their par- patterns I guess next one at Berit 1095 do you push for 2023 the World Cup I take it that this person means yeah no I don't I don't do that actually um I know there are people that in both camps, I think, that would like to see me push others that couldn't wait until I leave. Please, guys, can we be just five minutes? Okay. Um, no, I think that there are probably people in both camps that could, um, couldn't could wait until I quit or that really wants to see me play a little bit longer. Uh, but uh, like, I, like I, the way I feel right now, I w- will not do that, that push. Uh, question for the great Hedvig Lindahl. Uh, Hedvig, you are vocal in your support for important causes. Thank you. What continues to motivate and encourage you in using and raising your voice, especially in times that can get so bleak and sad? I think uh, my motivation comes from, like Nila was mentioning, like I want efficiency and, and innovation and, and to improve things. Uh, um, don't like when it's not efficient <laughs> and uh, the football women's football system is not efficient right now. It's so much untapped potential that is going to waste. It's getting better every, every day and every year people do great things, but there's still, we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg of what could be. And um, so um, that is one thing coming from wanting quality to be better, but also like socially just, I don't know. Social injustice just gets to me. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know if I had an experience of anything. In that case, I haven't. haven't, I don't remember it. But uh, I just think I I think I have a really strong. In Swedish, we say "retspatos." I don't know how you say that in English. I think I have a really strong sense of what's right and wrong. Um, And when something is wrong, there needs to be something done about it. Let's take one more at. ID and Sack uh, on Twitter. Oh my God, absolute legend. This person is starting with. Uh, question. I think it's it touches a little bit on, on another answer you have already given, but the question is the best striker you have played against, but whose shot you have saved? Mm. I have played against Birgit Prince when she was in her prime. Um, and uh, I don't know if I took a shot, <laughs> but I did take, I did, I did intercept uh, what would be a one-on-one with Bigot Prince because I played very far out from my goal. Can I have that answer? <laughs> I'm a bit proud of that. You can, you can. <laughs> and thank you for, thank you for calling me leg- legend. By the way, really, I'm, I'm, makes me feel 
I don't know. It makes me feel like I did some good stuff. So I'm happy for someone. Saying yeah, that. they they are great. These listeners. <laughs> but let's jump into the end section with the this or that. So this is where you don't really get to think. We just want an answer real quick. And this is a before we started, I said, Mia, I really like this one question. It's the first question coming up right here. And uh, let's just get going. Save a penalty or step up to the spot to take one yourself. Whew. Right now, step up to the, to the well, it's a bigger challenge. So step up to the, to the spot. The World Cup or the Euros? Well, let's say the Euros this year, because that's what's about to happen. Making a save from coming up 1v1 from an attacker or making a spectacular save from a free kick just outside the box? Uh, 1v1, I think, because that's when you help your team even. like, I think that's when you expect it to be a goal. Uh, getting a clean sheet where the ball barely reaches you or having a good game overall that you win but keeps you active but you concede? Mm. Clean sheet, I think. Uh, both scenarios lead to a goal. Starting the build-up to an attack from the back with the defenders where you're being under pressure or kicking it long straight up to the attackers yourself. Then short. With a big with a big play with everyone involved, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that wraps up this Euro special episode with Hedvig Lindahl. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.